Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. Carefully, uh, because what I'm going to share with you uh, will help you for the rest of your life, alrighty? And this morning, I'm going to start with the year uh, 2050, uh, and then I'm going to end with the year 2050. And uh, I'll explain that in a few moments. But uh, if you didn't realize, we're living in 2023, right? And that gives us 27 years. So you can calculate your age uh, by the time uh, 2050 comes around. And by the time 2050 comes around, I will be 102. So, uh, and some of you will be not that close, but you will be uh, already uh, a man and a woman, praise God. And uh, if you look at your grandchildren, my grandchildren, uh, Layla, well, she'll be uh, close to 28 by 2050. Uh, uh, Camila will be 31, about 31, and then uh, Benjamin will be 27, 28 years of age. So if this morning is very, very important. If you did not bring a, uh, hopefully you brought a pen and you brought a, a pad so that you can write some of this information uh, that I'm going to share with you that will be so very, very important. And this morning, just for, I'm going to do my best with the help of the Spirit of God to give you everything in two services. So uh, this, uh, not only this morning, but also on Wednesday. Put, it, uh, put this thing together, and I believe that if you'll get a hold of this, your life is going to be a very functional life from here on out. So your, your struggling days will be over. Lift your hand and say, my struggling days will be over. There you go. Praise God. So uh, if you look up on the screen, I'm going to be sharing with you about, the, I'm going to use this phrase, the trinity of triumph. And when we, when I mention, when I use that phrase, the Trinity of Triumph, I'm talking about three most uh, powerful forces in the universe. All right, and I'll share with you that. Uh, I'll explain that in a few moments. But uh, thank God for His presence. Thank God for His life. Thank God for our families. And thank God for the future that He has given us. Can you say Amen? Let's give the Lord a mighty praise offering and. Praise God. You may be seated. And first of all, I want to lay a foundation uh, using, uh, in a few moments, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And uh, first of all, I want to say that you should not make any plans to die, but to live, right? There's, and the reason I'm saying that, because people are making plans to die, and they're young. Some are 30 and say, I want to die. I want to exit this world. No, God has a lot of things for you. We have a lot of things to do. So uh, Psalms 118, verse 17 says, I shall live. Say that with me. I shall live and not die and declare the what? The works of the Lord. Say it again. I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And the reason we want to live a long life is because uh, uh, we want to declare the works of the Lord, all right? So when we talk about long life, uh, it's not something that is new. God has already established that truth, all right? In Psalms 100 uh, or Psalms 91, verse 16, God says uh, he, he has satisfied us with long life. Somebody say long life. Yes, God has already established us with long life. Praise God. So uh, you say, well, a lot of people are not living long life. Well, uh, people uh, can either lengthen or shorten their life. But once again, uh, God has already established long life. Everybody understand that? God has already established long life, so this is what we're going to live. This is why the psalmist said, I shall live and not die and declare the, uh, the, the, the works of the Lord, praise God. So you have to live a long life. What, number one, God has already established that. And the reason is that we have too many things to do, all right? 
So our goal, listen real carefully, our goal is 2050. That's 27 years from now. And I'm going to explain to you uh, why that is so important, all right? Now, you say, well, what if the Lord Jesus comes back? Well, if the Lord Jesus comes back, we don't know the day or the hour he's going to come back. He said he would, and uh, that's been established. So he, if Jesus comes, we'll just change plans. Does everybody understand that? But we have to, uh, we have, to have a vision, and we have to have uh, a goal. So our goal is 2050 for this ministry. So in the next couple of months and perhaps uh, a year or so, I will be setting long-range goals uh, for what we're going to do in both ministries, not only Kingsgate, but also uh, Victory Center or Centro Victoria. And the reason we want to do that is because God cannot lie. Somebody say, God cannot lie. He cannot. All men are liars. Hopefully you're not. But once the truth is in us, we're going to start telling the truth. So God has already, de uh, already uh, declared your future. He, he has already done that. In Psalms 92, uh, verse 13 through 15, the Bible says this, But the godly, you can look it up there in the screen, But the godly will flourish like a palm tree and grow strong like the cedars of Lebanon, for they are transplanted uh, to the Lord's own house. They flourish in the courts of our God, even, and this is what I want you to get, even in old age, even in what? In old age, they will still produce fruit. They will remain vital and green. They will declare the Lord is just. He is my rock. There is no evil in him. And the reason that is so important that you understand that God not only has established long life, but he has already uh, declared your future, that even in old age, uh, you will be vital and green. And he gives uh, uh, an analogy there with uh, like a palm tree. You will be bearing fruit all the days of your life. And the reason I'm, uh, that is so important is because some people think that when you get 50, it's all over, right? Some people are checking out. Some people at 60 say, well, I can't wait till 65. I'm going to get my uh, Social Security check. I'm going to kick back in a chair and just uh, live out the rest of my life. No, you will die if you have that kind of attitude. Does everybody understand that? So even in old age, we're going to be producing fruit. 60, 70, uh, 75, 80, 85, 90, because all of you are believing that God's going to give you a long life. I remember when I came back from the Vietnam War, I was only 20 years of age, and now I'm 75, and I'm just getting traction. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just taking off now after all these years uh, because God promises, and we can believe that, and God's not a liar. He said that even in old age, you will produce fruit. You will be vital and green. <laughs> can you say amen? So there's no fear for God's people, if you believe that, there's no fear that you're going to be left alone. Some people say, I don't want to get old because I'm going to be left alone. Uh, I'm going to be weak. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to end up in a convalescent home, a nursery home, just like uh, so many people when they get to a certain age. No, that's not going to be you. You're going to live a long life. You're going to produce fruit. If you believe that, give the Lord a great praise offering for that. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, God, uh, uh, it's, it's understood that God is our example because in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, uh, be followers. And King James said, be followers. And the translation says, be imitators of God. But God has given us a human example for us to follow. And that human example is the, the father of our faith, okay, which is Abraham. And uh, that is our example. He was the example for Israel. In, Psalm, I mean, in Isaiah 51, God says to Israel, he said, look to Abraham, your father. Then when we go to the New Testament, the Bible says, walk in the steps of Abraham. So he's our human example. So if we do, listen real carefully, if we do 
what Abraham did, then we're going to live like Abraham did, and we're going to die or leave this planet like Abraham did. Does everybody understand that? So looking at Abraham's life real quickly, and I will explain that as I go along. In Genesis 13, 2, the Bible says Abraham was what? Very rich in what? Livestock and silver and gold. Now, if you know the story of Abraham, he had an encounter with God at 75 and went on to live another 100 years, and those 100 years were the best years of his life. He lived very, very prosperous. He was healthy. And I'll, I'll give you the rest of the verses, but if we'll do what Abraham did, we will live like he did, and we will die like he did. So Abraham was very rich in livestock, silver and gold. Now, in Genesis 24, 1, the Bible says, now Abraham was what? Old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. How many things? In all things. And then in Genesis 25, 7 and 8, and Abraham lived for 175 years, and he died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and what? Satisfying life. That's the life that God wants you to live. Now, regrettably, a lot of people die regretting. I hate my life. I regret that I ever lived. I regret that I even got married. I regret that I've even lived this long, right? But uh, a person that'll do exactly what the Word of God says, you'll die satisfied. When you're ready to go from this planet, you'll say, I've lived a good life. I've lived a satisfied life. I've had good children, good marriage, good life. I've lived healthy. I've lived prosperous. You see, if God did it for Abraham, he'll do it for us. And the Bible says that uh, he lived a satisfying life. He breathed his last and joined his ancestors in death. So God's plan is to live and imitate the, the life of Abraham. And then in Jeremiah, I'm laying a foundation for you so that I can get this truth in your heart. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plan. This is God. Look at the plans that God has for you. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for what? For good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Praise God. So this morning, before I go any further, I want you to jot this down because this is very important. I want you to put my vision on your pad if you have one. If you're not, just get it in your, when you get home, you, know, you write this. This is very, very important. You want to have a functional life from here on out, all right? Uh, you don't want to live another 30 years or 40 years and say, man, I hate my life. I regret even living here. No, you want to live a satisfying life. So I want you to write my vision, all right? And then you can put dash, 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 connected to the master plan of God. My vision, dash, 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 connected to the master plan of God. And here is the vision, all right, that your vision that you're going to have. Number one, you're going to have a vision for your spiritual life, number one. Number two, you're going to have a vision for your physical, all right, your body, your physical, all right. Number three, the material. So there's your vision has to uh, have three very important major uh, parts, uh, spiritual, physical, and material. Now, these three are very, very important now. Because if you understand the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of Abraham covers not only your spiritual life, it covers your physical life, uh, and it also covers your material life, all right? Now, we understand that by reading Galatians 3, 13 and 14. And in Galatians 3, 13 and 14, the Bible says, Christ has redeemed us from what? From the curse of the law. Somebody say that with me. Christ has redeemed us from the what? From the curse of the law. Why? Verse 14, so that the blessing 
of Abraham will come upon us. Uh, the same blessing, all right? The same blessing. These are included in the blessing of Abraham, the spiritual, the physical, and the material. Now, how, do we gonna, how are we going to do this? So that's my big question. How are we going to uh, 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 make uh, that vision that we have a reality in our life? Well, he gives it to us in one verse, which is very, very important. 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says, three things will last forever. Would you read that with me out loud? Would you stand and let's read that together, all right? Uh, uh, three things will last forever. Say that with me. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. Would you raise your right hand and say these things will last forever? Faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is is love. Can you say amen? Praise God. You may be seated. So when we look at these three uh, great uh, forces, spiritual forces, uh, these three work together. They work what? They work together, all right? Uh, they're equally important. Uh, they're, they're not a substitute one for another. All three must function in your life if you're going to have a functional life. If one of these is missing, then your life cannot function. Does everybody understand that? So, Rick, uh, unfortunately, we're living in a world who, uh, that most of the people, hopefully it's not you, but we're going to correct that. But most of the people live a dysfunctional life. They'll say, my, my body is not functioning. My marriage is not functioning. My, that area of money or uh, material is not functioning. My family is not functioning. Well, uh, if we have these three powerful forces, uh, then our life is going to function. Now, it, once again, if one of these three is missing, your life cannot function and will not function, all right? And all these three, these are three gifts, uh, faith. Hope and love are gifts that the Holy Spirit uh, deposited in our hearts as believers when we were saved. So when you got saved, and I can't go over those scriptures right now, maybe Wednesday. But when you got saved, God deposited faith in your heart. Some people say, I don't have faith. Well, you need to get saved then. Because every person has received the measure of faith. And then God instilled in us hope. And then he gave us agape love. His love was deposited in our hearts. Now, that's when we were saved. Now, uh, in the process, we have to uh, develop these three. We have to develop faith. We have to develop uh, hope. And we have to develop uh, love. Can you say amen? Now, in all three, now we have to get this before I go any further. All three are based on the Word of God, all right? When we're talking about faith, we're not just talking, say, I just believe that there is a God out there. Well, that's not going to help you much. We have to believe in a Bible faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when we're talking about these three, we're talking about all three based on the Word of God, all right? When we're talking about hope now, we're not talking about the hope that most people uh, think they have in the world. I'm hoping and believing that it's going to work out for me. Well, we're not talking about that kind of hope, all right? We're talking about Bible hope, and I'm going to explain that. And then when we're talking about love, we're not talking about romantic love. We're not talking about human love. We're not talking about uh, brotherly love. We're talking about agape love. Does everybody understand that? And these three are powerful forces, the most powerful forces in all the universe. And God deposited those three in our hearts so that we could live an overcomer's life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, we're going to deal, first of all, because that's a little uh, 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 misunderstood in the life of most people, and that is the, uh, uh, this area of hope. 
And when we're talking about hope, we know that hope is first. We have to uh, make sure we understand that. Say this with me. Hope is first. Hope is first. That's it. That is number one. Hope is first, and then faith will follow. All right? For, uh, first is hope, and then faith will follow. First is hope, and then faith will follow. First is hope, and faith will follow. Did you everybody get that? That's very, very important, all right? Now, when we're talking about hope, now remember we're talking about Bible hope, all right? And when we have Bible hope, hope is this. We're looking into the future, and hope is great expectation. Hope is uh, goals in your life. Hope is objectives. Hope is ambition. It is vision, and it is dreams. Does everybody understand that? Now, most people, when they were young, they had ambition. They had vision. They had dreams. Remember when you were a little kid, you laid in your bed and you had dreams. I want to be this and be that. But things happen along, uh, uh, along uh, in the process of life, and people lose hope or lose vision and dreams, and they wonder why faith does not work. Faith, uh, hope is first, and then faith will follow. Does everybody understand that? So Bible hope is, I'm going to give you some verses, and then I'll explain it to you. Uh, Romans 15, 4, Bible hope is based on what God has said. It's based on the Bible. And then he says in Romans 15, 4, such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us what? They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. All right. So Bible hope uh, is based on scripture. And it's based on God's promises, all right? We see those two things in that verse. Now, we're going to go to Romans chapter 4 now, uh, where it talks about Paul, I mean, uh, Abraham. And in verse 18 to 21, notice some of this, the verses or this, the, the words that it, that it uses there. So it describes what hope is all about. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept what? He kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. Now, if you read the story of Abraham, uh, at 75, God told him that he would be the father of many nations. Uh, but then time passed, and it went on for 25 years before he had Isaac, right? But the Bible says that Abraham kept hoping believing he would become the father of many nations. For God, somebody say, for God had said to him. You see, Bible hope is based on what God has, uh, has said in his word. And when you study God's word, he said, ah, I have nothing, but I have hope because God said I would have it. Can you say amen? I'm sick. I'm, I'm having this uh, disease or this infirmity in my body and the doctor says I have no no hope but uh, I'm looking at the scripture by his stripes I am healed and I have hope that I'm going to live that kind of life and I'm going to live a long life and the Bible says for God had said to him that's how many descendants you will have and Abraham's faith did not weaken even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body w was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's what? Promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So by those two scriptures, we understand that when we have Bible hope, that is based on what God has said. Does everybody understand that? And if somebody doesn't know what God has said, well, you can't have Bible hope, and you're going to have trouble, all right? Now, in Joel 2.28, 
uh, talking about visions and dreams. Uh, he says, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old man will dream dreams. Wow, your young man shall see visions. Okay, so when we're talking about hope, we're talking about that area of your life where there is vision, uh, dreams, objectives, there is uh, goals, there is ambition. You can see it afar off. That is what Bible hope is based on what God has said. You've read the Bible and you said, that's my vision. I see it. I see my family that way. I see my life uh, functioning in that matter. I see I have a good marriage. I have powerful children. I see myself healthy. Praise God. Does everybody understand that? All right. Now in Habakkuk 2, verse 2 to 3, says, Then the Lord answered and said, Write the vision. What should we do? He said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end, at when? At the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. Now, I've given you those scriptures. Now, listen to me real carefully now. I'm going to explain to you uh, what hope is, all right? Faith cannot function. Listen to me real carefully. Faith cannot function without hope. In other words, if you don't have any dreams, if those are dead, you have no objectives, no goals, no ambition, no vision, no dreams, your faith cannot function, all right? And Hebrews 11.1, 1, if you look up here on the screen, it tells you why. Now, faith is the what? It is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, if there is no hope, there is no dreams, no vision, no goals, no objectives. Faith has nothing to work with. Does everybody understand that? Faith can only give substance to of, of, of things hoped for. for and, and it's the evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is the what? It is a substance. with me. Faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. What if there's nothing that you hope for? then, uh, then uh, there is no faith, all right? Faith is impotent. Faith it cannot work. Faith needs hope. All three of these powerful forces, faith, hope, and love, uh, work together. They work in unison. They cannot function one without the other. One is not a substitute for, uh, for the, other th the other two. And these three... Uh, not only work together, but they need each other, and and they complement one another, and they need, uh, and they and we need those three functioning in our life. Everybody understand that they're they're equally uh, important, all three of them. So it's what you hope for. Listen to me real carefully. Is what you hope for that faith delivers? What if you're not hoping for anything? What if the, your whole life is this? Look. Most people's lives are this way. We go to work and we come back. We go to work, come back, see television. We go to work, come back and say, I see television. And then on Friday, uh, people just have an outing, maybe, right? And they live a routine life. Well, uh, if, you have, if, you don't, if you're not hoping for anything, faith cannot deliver. It is what you hope for what you have as a goal and dreams and visions that faith deliver. Faith gives substance to hope. It is hope first. Somebody say it's hope first, and then faith follows. So this implies that if you can't see anything coming, if you can't see anything coming, nothing will ever come. Does everybody understand that? Faith without hope is a waste of time. You must have hope before you say you have faith. If you don't have faith, if you don't have hope, that means your faith is completely dead. When hope is dead, then faith becomes impotent. To be hopeless is to be helpless. Where hope does not exist, faith is helpless. Does everybody understand that? So when a person gives up on life, all right, says, well, my case is closed. Well, nobody can close your case. 
Nobody. No doctor can close your case. Nobody in this world. Not even God can close your case because he's given you a free will. If you say my case is closed, your case is closed. All right? And if a person remains in a hopeless condition, listen to me real carefully. Everyone must have hope. You must keep hope alive in your life. And when you reach a goal, you must have other goals. All right? And you must look into your future and set goals and objectives and, and have a vision and dream of your future because this is the only way you're going to stay alive and this is the only way you're going to have a lively, a lively hope. The Bible describes it as a lively hope, a, li a hope that is alive. And if our hope is alive, our faith is going to be alive. Can you say amen? So uh, a person... And this is why the, the, the kingdom of darkness will work overtime against believers to, so that you can lose hope, so that you can quit, uh, a quitter. I've, I've, already, I've already quit on life. I've, uh, I know that it's over for me, and you're only 40 or 50, and you, you want to quit on life. No, when you do that, not even God can help you. Does everybody understand that? Where there is no hope, not even God can help you if you stay in that condition. We have to get back to having hope. Can you say amen? And if hope is working and functioning in our life, then faith is going to work and function in your life. Praise God, right? And uh, your life will be blessed. It will, uh, the results will be health. It will be long life. It will be prosperity. Every, everything that you've ever wanted and dreamed will come to fruition if you'll keep these things alive in your life. Can you say amen? Praise God. So hope, which is ambition, once again. And there's nothing wrong with ambition as long as there's no uh, greed involved. We must have ambition. God made us in his image. We must have goals. We must have dreams. We must make plans, and, and we've got to commit them to God. But it's so important, listen to me real carefully, that your vision be connected to the master plan of God. Now, if you've taken spiritual warfare uh, training, uh, I give you a panoramic view of what God reveals is going to happen in the future. God has already revealed in his scripture uh, what is going to happen in the future. We cannot change that. Uh, it's already uh, programmed in. It's baked in, right? Uh, all these things are going to happen. And if we're going to uh, be prosperous and be blessed, and if our vision is going to be the right vision, then we got to find out what God is doing, right? What is, the, what is the master plan of God? What is he doing? What is God going to do? And then flow with that. we got to flow with his vision. And whatever vision you have must be connected to the master plan of God. And if we do that, then Matthew 6.33 is going to be fulfilled. Seek ye first, what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, let me just uh, uh, inject this here because this is very important. When you flow, when your vision, listen real carefully, you got to have a vision now. You got to have dreams. You got to have, uh, you got to get those and make them alive again. Uh, all, uh, writing things down. He said, write the vision. You got to write your vision down. Once that is connected to the master plan of God, and you're connected to him, then in the process of you putting God first, listen real carefully, then in the process of you putting God uh, uh, first in your life, the house that you need, God will give it to you. It's nothing for God. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. How many things? All these things. All these things. God knows you need a house. <laughs> So he'll give you a house. He said, well, I don't want just a house. I want four houses. Well, that's nothing for God. Just say, just do what I'm telling you. I'll give you four. You want four houses. Now, I personally don't want four houses. Somebody say, well, I want a ranch, man. I want a big old, uh, huge, I want acres. Well, I don't want that. 
um, personally, right? Now, because I, I couldn't take care of that. But in the process, God will give you a house. He will give you everything you need. He'll give you the clothes. He knows you need, you need clothes. He'll give you a car, food, money, business. Everything will be supplied because he says, and my God shall, shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Can you say amen? So your needs and my needs are completely different, perhaps. But uh, our basic needs are the same. We need a house. We need clothes. We need food. We need money. We need, well, all that will be given to us if our vision is connected to his master plan. All right? You got to have a vision. Otherwise, you have no faith functioning in your life. Your faith is impotent. It's dead. But when we have a vision, then faith will do this. Now I can add substance to what you see in the future. And faith is now. Faith will bring it and make it a reality. Those things that you see in the future, uh, faith will just bring it into the present. That's what it's all about. Faith needs hope. Hope is first, and then faith, uh, then faith follows. And I'll give you an example of uh, having ambition. Now, there's nothing wrong with this story, all right? The, 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 no, nothing wrong with ambition, nothing wrong with having dreams. The problem with this story is that God is excluded from their life. Now, when we exclude God, then whatever you're doing uh, is wrong. Does everybody understand that? He must be first in our life. Now, Jesus gave a parable in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 13 to 21, uh, and I'll read that to you. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of what? Covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, uh, saying, What should I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull, pull down my barns and build greater and there I will restore all my crops and all my goods. And I will say to, uh, to my soul, so you have many goods laid up for many years. Take, uh, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose those things and whose will those things be which you have provided so he, so he is he, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now watch this. Listen real carefully. There's nothing wrong. This man had an ambition. He says, "Wow, I've had a tremendous harvest. I've been really blessed. Wow, this has been great. I'm going to tear down my old barns and build bigger ones." There's nothing wrong with that. God wants you to say, "Well, I want a bigger house." I want a, a better life. Well, God promises that in the blessing of Abraham. Does everybody understand that? It's already covered for you. God is rich. We're his children. Hallelujah. We, the Bible describes us as uh, if we're children, we're heirs of God. Heirs of who? Heirs of God and joint heirs. Now, notice that joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means that when Jesus rose from the dead and he was crowned king of kings and lord of lords and, and received everything as his inheritance, we are seated with him, the Bible says in, in Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated with him in heavenly places and we have, are now heirs, joint heirs, with Jesus Christ. So God doesn't mind giving you all this. And this man here, his problem wasn't, wasn't, I have ambition, I have goals. That's good. God wants that. But what, uh, what uh, was wrong with his life was this. God 
was not part of the equation. Everything was I, 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 I. I will do this. I will get there. My business, I, I, I. And God says, where am I? Where am I in your plans? Because we can't function without God. It's impossible. We were made by God and for God. And if our vision, you must have a vision. You must have hope. If you don't have hope, your faith is not, has nothing to work with. It looks out there. You say, what, what's out there? It's nothing. Well, I can't. Uh, faith is the, the, the substance of things hoped for. If you have no, uh, no vision. But your vision has to be connected with the master plan of God. If you connect it, then there's nothing God will not give you. And God can do in our life in one day that you can't do in 15 years or 20 years or 15 lifetimes. Does everybody understand that? But when you flow with God, your life is beautiful. God didn't make life hard. He didn't. He said, my yoke is what? Easy. That's it. He said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So people talk about life is hard. Really? It's not hard. When I came back from Vietnam, uh, and I wasn't even committed to God. I came back, went straight to the university. People were complaining and demonstrating. I said, what are you complaining about? This is nice here, man. This is beautiful. Look, look. We have grocery stores. We have gas stations. We have homes. We have air conditioning. We have schools. We have future here. We have a beautiful life. We're living in the most prosperous nation in the world. Listen, we have it made. Praise God, because we're in Jesus. Does everybody believe that? Give the Lord a great praise offering for that. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. So listen to me real carefully, because I'm going to end now with the year 250. Now, now you understand that we're looking at 27 years. I'm looking at 27 years. If I can look at 27, uh, 27 years, surely you can. 27 years. What can we do in one year if you really get, uh, get on the ball and, and you start doing things? I'm not talking about sitting around waiting. See, I'm waiting for Jesus to come. Really? No, he said occupy. That's a military term. Jesus said occupy till I come. He said and then in, uh, in, Spanish, in the Spanish version, negociar, he said, uh, do business until I come. He said, I want you to be busy. I want you to uh, include me in your plans. I want you to have big plans. And we ought to have big plans. How many lives are you going to live? Huh? How many? One. Uno. One. One life. That's it. And when your life is over, it's over. And then you have to stand before God someday. Christians are going to stand before a judgment seat, which is the bima. There's a judgment seat for believers. And then there is a, another judgment. That's for the unbelievers. But you're going to stand before God, and, and, and you're going to give account of what he put in your hands, uh, the opportunities and uh, the house he put in your hand, the business he put in your hand, the family he put in your hands, uh, the, the education he put in your hands. What are you doing with that, right? Or are you going to just sit there? No, we can do a lot in one year. Imagine what you can do in five years. Hmm? If you have a vision and you have dreams, you have objectives, you have goals, uh, and you can see them afar off. He said, Lord, I'm going to connect them to you now. They're way out there. But uh, give me grace now so that I can apply these three powerful forces that will make this a reality in my life. And I'm going to connect it to you, Lord. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Can you say amen? So as we look at 2050, listen real carefully. My question is this. I had a breakfast with some men a couple of Saturdays. It's been a couple of Saturdays. And on Friday, God spoke to me. And I was just meditating on God's word. And 
and he started talking to me about 2050, and he said, I want you to start making plans, and I want you to make plans for my work here, uh, both ministries, and set goals, and who uh, these goals are going to be big now, right? They're, they're getting because we have a big God, praise God. Uh, we can have school. We can have another school. We can have uh, bigger than maybe a, a new sanctuary because God's going to uh, not only the Spanish, not only English uh, Spanish ministry, but this ministry too. too. Also, there's uh, God's going to fill this place. And then he'll fill it up again and fill it up again. Uh, uh, there's some great things coming. Praise God. Uh, I'm going to I'm I'm believing that we're going to reach uh, thousands of people, thousands and I'm going to be able to train thousands of people. Uh, my goal uh, at the present is th training 300 people per year through uh, spiritual warfare training and faith training. These, cl these trainings will change your life. They're 10 weeks, but it will change your life forever and ever. Does everybody understand that? So my goal, uh, I, I finished a group of 10 weeks and then started another group of 10, another group. Another group after 10 weeks, 10 weeks, 10 weeks, never, it's nonstop. And then I have it in, I've had it in Lubbock, had it in uh, Roswell, Rio Doso, and here it's, it's, uh, it's constant, praise God. We're never going to stop with that. But my question was this. Uh, when the Lord told me about 2050, my big question was, uh, was this to the Lord. Do I have a clear passage? From here to 2050, Lord, do I have a guarantee from here 27 years from now? Do I have a safe passage from here 2050? That's what I want to know. Do I, do I have a, a not only a clear passage but a protected passage? Protected passage, looking at 2050. And the Lord gave me these two scriptures that are very important. Matthew 16, 18. He said this. I will build my church. Who's going to build the church? Jesus is. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, do you understand about gates? The devil has gates in this world, in different places. He'll put a gate and says, the children belong to me now. Don't touch them. I'm going to use those. I'm going to destroy children so that they won't grow up or ever go to your church. I'm going to steal your children. I'm going to put a gate there. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Everybody understand that? In other words, the devil said, I set a gate and it's a protect, it's, it's, it's a defense against you. But Jesus said, those gates will not prevail against you. You can overpower those gates. The devil puts a gate, as you see this, this state here, state of New Mexico, uh, it's a liberal state. The devil says, I put gates here. We will have marijuana, we will have legal abortions, and no telling what else is coming down the pipeline. <laughs> and the devil said, you can't touch. I already put a gate on this, on this state. Devil's a liar. I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell, the gates of what? Of hell shall not prevail against the church. We can blast those gates. Can you say amen? We can blast those gates to smithereens, praise God, by confronting those gates and say, devil, you're a liar. You're going to have to bring down those doors and bring down those gates because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And in the name of Jesus, is going to be done. Can you say amen? Praise God. Now, in Luke 12, 32, Jesus said this, because my question, once again, is do I have a clear passage? To 2050, do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'll read that again. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. 
Now, I'm going to give you the Greek context, all right? He says, not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. Praise God. So he says, it is the Father's pleasure, good pleasure, to give you the kingdom, to give you the right, and to give you the authority to rule over any and all kingdoms, and especially the kingdom of darkness. Praise God. So, these three have been deposited in your heart. And because they've been deposited in your heart, you have the, uh, the three most powerful forces of the universe. And now you have to develop that. But first is hope. If you have no vision, if your only vision is this, my kids are my vision. Really? Your kids are going to grow up. They're going to have their own life. A mother can't say, my life is my children. That's it. <laughs> and follow your children. They'll move. Everybody understand? They have their own lives. They have their own families. No, your vision. You can include your children in your vision, in your family, but that's not. Your vision, you got to have a vision. Otherwise, you have no faith. Your faith is impotent. And this is why we have many, many Christians that have no faith, an impotent faith, because they have nothing out there. Faith gives substance to things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not, uh, not seen. So you're going to work on this. You're going to work on your vision. You're going to work on your dreams, and you're going to say, I'm going to write this thing down. That's what God says. Write down your vision so that those, will see, that, those that see it will run with it. Write it down. It will help you to uh, make a re uh, have a reference point because along the way, along the, uh, 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 our walk in, in this life, there will come discouraging things that will say, hey, give up. Give up. Quit. Said, no, 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 I'm not going to quit. I'm going through a problem, but I can see my vision. I can see the vision you gave me, Father, the dreams that you gave. Uh, that is going to become a reality. Praise God in my life. Your life can change starting today. Praise God. And it will change. And the next rest of, the, oh, the rest of this year will be the best part of your year. And the next year will be even better than this year. And every year after that will even be better and better and better. Praise God. Let's stand up and let's lift up our hands and uh, let's uh, declare Jesus as Lord. Are you ready? First and foremost is to declare Jesus as Lord of our life. Say this with me. My heavenly father. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. Say that. I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And I believe with all my heart that you raised him from the dead. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what you have given me as your son or your daughter I thank you because you've given me faith. You've given me hope. And you've given me love. And I thank you, Father, for giving me life, not death. And I thank you, Father, that I declare this this morning. I declare from the bottom in the depths of my heart that I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. If you'll give me the lights here, please. Raise your hand and say with me, I shall live and not die. Lift your hand and say, I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to do this because whenever you come to the house of God, as a believer, 
You have to understand that you have come to participate, not just to be a spectator. You come and then you leave and that's it. No, you have, God, you're a child of God. You belong to the kingdom of God. You're, you're to be a participator. You got to make this work for you. You got to work the faith. You got to work what God has given you. You got to work it out. Praise God. So I want you to now to take your right hand, and I want you to extend it to your, the person to your right. And as you lay your hand on their shoulder, God is going to use you this morning because he says in his word, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. As you extend your hand, you're a believer. These signs shall follow you. They'll follow you. That's what the Bible says. As that hand is placed on you, you're going to declare yourself what God has already declared. By his stripes, we are healed. He took our infirmities. In our diseases. And Father, because Jesus took our infirmities, he took them. I don't have to take them. If Jesus, by his stripes, we were healed, we are healed. And I am healed. And I receive it right now because you cannot lie. I am totally and completely healed. I rebuke every infirmity and every disease in your body at this point, at this moment, in the name of Jesus. Everything that is not of God, I command it to be broken over your life in Jesus' mighty name. You are free. Just receive it in the name of the Lord. You're a child of God. It belongs to you. It's part of the Abrahamic blessing. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. Christ has redeemed us for a purpose. He redeemed us for a purpose so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon you. And now that same blessing is upon your life. And if you will do what Abraham did, you will live like he did. And you will one day die like he died. He died satisfied. You got a lot of years left. And you got to occupy. And you've got to enlarge your vision, your dream. That's what hope is all about. You've got to enlarge your vision, your dream, your goals. Your objectives, your ambition. And connected with God's master plan for your life. Lord, one day, hallelujah, I will have this. And not like the, the fool in the Bible, no, Lord. That house will be for your glory. That Those houses, that business will be for your glory. That position will be for your glory. I will glorify your name with it, Lord. Everything that you have put in my hands and will put in my hands in the future, Lord, all these will be to give you glory. You are included, or I am desiring to be included in your plan, Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the life that you have given me in the mighty name of Jesus. In anything that is hopeless, 
that spirit of heaviness is broken over your life. Any hopelessness is a lie of the devil, is a lie of the kingdom of darkness. Do not accept it. God gives you hope. And you have hope, and that hope is going to grow. It is going to grow, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow. Praise God, hallelujah. There will be laughter, and there will be dancing. There will be peace. There will be joy in your life that you haven't had in a long, long time. It's going to be revived in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. If you believe it, let's give the Lord a great praise offering this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated, and we're going to give our tithes and offerings. Uh,